Hey, good morning, Scott. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm. I'm great. I'm ready for our uh, our, our next adventure in podcasting. Um, a big change yeah, here. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's been a, what uh, three weeks or something since we've done a podcast, and obviously we've had a lot of discussions about things. Uh, and I'm I'm excited about the new direction. Yeah, I I, I just got us. I feel like I got to talk about COVID though. I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the COVID report today, Mike? Uh, no, we're not doing that. We're okay. not doing that, even though I want to so badly. But I, um, did, I found myself reading the news this morning and thinking, you know, I don't think I'm reading it as closely and critically as I was before when I was trying to pull out the relevant facts and information. I'm just kind of skimming over now. And I find myself reading the news and saying, oh, I got to mention this and then say, oh, no, I'm not going to be mentioning <laughs> that. But uh, The uh, infrastructure bill, Mike, is, oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm back into the uh, old mode. Uh. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> okay, Scott, and this is episode 49 for us, and uh, it would have been nice if this was episode 50, but um, but anyway, it is what it is. And so today we're starting our new journey with uh, documentary discussions. And uh, last time we told you that we're going to start on, we're going to do free solo. And I had to mention at the beginning of this, um, for those of you, and we're going to talk about this at the end, then the next uh, documentary that we're going to talk about is Three Identical Strangers. And you can find that on, um, I think I watched it for free on Hulu. Um, I'm fairly certain I did. Uh, I watched it for free on Netflix or Hulu. But anyway, um, we'll talk about that more at the end. And um, anything you want to say about that before we jump into Free Solo? No, other than just if you didn't listen to our uh, short podcast uh, last week about the direction, we're going to do this every two weeks now. Um, and we'll let you know the next episode or the next uh documentary like you just did and we would invite people to watch it and send us comments and questions if uh, there are things they'd like us to address or discuss or things that they observe that they think would be helpful for us to hear yeah and these documentaries are going to take us in a lot of different directions i i think you'll um enjoy the conversation whether you've listened to i hope you enjoy the conversation whether you've watched the podcast or not um, but anyway, with all that said, let's jump into it. Scott Free Solo. Yeah. <clears throat> it's from nice. National Geographic um, Films, and I'm going to read what they have on their website here. Uh, it's from award-winning documentary filmmaker E. Chai Vassarelli, I guess, um, and world-renowned photographer and mountaineer Jimmy Chin, who appears uh, on screen actually several times. Um, it comes from National Geographic Documentary Films. Free Solo is a stunning intimate and unflinching portrait of the free soloist climber Alex Honnold as he prepares to achieve his lifelong dream climbing the face of the world's most famous rock, the 3,000-foot El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Um, and you've seen pictures of this uh, this um, this rock. Yeah. I mean, 3,000 feet. Just, just to put that in perspective, that's over half a mile straight up. And believe me, folks, it is straight up if you didn't see the movie. Um, he tries to climb it. Oh, and here's the important thing. I should have kept going without a rope. Okay. This, this rock is 3000 feet straight up nearly. And he tries to climb it without a rope. Um, I, I got to continue reading here. So celebrated as one of the greatest athletic feats of any kind, Honnold's climb set the ultimate sta standard perfection or death. And no kidding. That's what it is succeeding in his challenge. And they're giving it away right from the very beginning. He does succeed. Uh, Honnold enters his story in the annals of human achievement. Free Solo is both an edge-of-your-seat thriller and an insp inspiring portrait of an athlete who exceeded our current understanding of human physical and mental 
potential. Finally, the result is a triumph of the human spirit. So Scott, um, just jumping right in, we've, we've got a couple different uh, main parts of this episode. We're going to talk about reviews. We're going to talk about uh, life, humanity, things like that. Um, but, 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 fi- but the first thing I want to ask you, Scott, from the very beginning, is this, and let's just jump right into it, is this a triumph of the human spirit? Yes or no? Yeah, I would say yes. Uh, whether it's a valuable triumph or an appropriate triumph, I think is another question we'll get into. But, but you know, did he achieve something thought pretty much to be impossible through, you know, a spirit that he had that motivated him to do it despite the death-defying, you know, odds there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm going, I'm with you. I, I believe it was a triumph, the human spirit. I believe the human spirit that did triumph was his. I hope they're not talking about a triumph of the human spirit in terms of like humanity spirit or anything like that, because I would say a definite no on that end. And we'll talk more about that later. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I believe it was a triumph of his human spirit. It was an amazing accomplishment. Um, so let's let's jump into the rating of the, and, and I'll let you go first, Scott. We're going to rate this as I think we're going to do all the documentaries that we're going to review, we're going to rate it both on the entertainment value and more of just a documentary rating, which is, um, you know, you may not have uh, been entertained too much in your uh, calculus class in college or whatever, but, uh, but what you learned, how well, you're, how well you were taught, um, that's really, you know, the documentary rating that we're going to give. So let's start off with the entertainment rating, Scott entertainment value, I should say. What, uh, what, what do you say? What, out of 10, maybe? Yeah, I thought it was pretty high. I, I would definitely give it at least a seven. Um, I mean, I was very engaged in the movie. It never lost my interest. There was never a point where I was like, oh, I think I might turn this off or I'm getting bored. Um, yeah, I mean, were there moments where it got a little slow in terms of action? Uh, because it does focus at times on the relationships and his mental processes or, you know, his, his own mental, uh, development. And so those things can get a little slow in terms of action. If you're an action oriented, uh, you know, person who likes action films, but I think in terms of interest to me in the human spirit, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it, it was still interesting material. So, um, entertainment wise, I thought it was good. I'd, I'd definitely yeah. give it at least a seven, maybe seven and a half. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm giving an eight. Um, honestly, I was on the edge of my seat. I know that's uh, trite, but, uh, uh, man, my, my hands were sweating. I, I was sweating sometimes all over watching this film. I couldn't believe it. And I watched it with my wife and, Anne, and, um, you know, she, she was engaged completely in it too, from beginning to end. And, um, you know, somebody that has no interest in that type of, uh, doing that type of thing. Um, yeah. And, and I watched it a second time too, because it, it, I was so entertained. And so, um, I, I was, and I never watch movies twice, Scott, I never, 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 never. And I watched this movie twice. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to give it an eight star. I would say if you want to just pull something off the shelf and watch it, um, just for an entertainment re- movie and you, you're not interested in documentaries at all, <laughs> still watch it. Yeah, you know, I'm curious, Mike, are you, I know you've been a hiker and you've uh, done some pretty strenuous hikes. Um, I hiked, but probably not like you. 
Uh, I've never climbed a mountain, like having ropes or doing something, you know, that what I would consider mountain climbing. Have, have you done that or what? No. Uh, you think that? Okay. okay. No, the closest thing I've come in is at the disc and, um, you know, my local town here, um, the, they have a, what, a 25 or 30 foot, probably at least 30 foot, a climbing wall. And, and I've done that and I find that pretty exhilarating. <laughs> That's 30 feet tall. Some of these kids, uh, playgrounds have a little climbing wall. It's maybe six feet or whatever. Right. You know, my grandkids play on, I've tried a couple of those. It's like, I can't even get up those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes a whole <laughs> different level of, uh, skill, doesn't it? Okay. But I guess uh, before we leave that point, Mike, the reason I asked that is just to make clear, this is not something that Oh, good if point. If you're a rock climber or something right. really interested in that, no. it's going to engage you. I, I think even for, for those of us who haven't done anything more than kind of simple hiking, it's absolutely. Yes, for sure. So, so second thing, and I think we're going to do, we're going to do this every time, Scott, you think, I mean, entertainment and document. Like, yeah. So, so let's go documentary rating. Um, what, what would you, what do you give it there in terms of what you learned about life lessons, about yourself, about other people, about empathy? Uh, you know, what, what, what do you give it on the documentary rating at scale out of 10? I'd probably give it an eight there. Um, and, and I guess the things I think about in that rating is, you know, did it seem to fairly objectively present information? Did it give you a full perspective on the the person, the issue, whatever it was it was trying to address? Um, and well, was it focused sufficiently? So, you know, sometimes a documentary can try to cover too much stuff and thus you can't really cover, cover all of it in sufficient uh, detail or understanding. I'm sure there are a lot of other considerations in rating documentaries, but, um, to me, I I felt like it did a pretty good job in terms of being an objective presentation of relevant and comprehensive information. Yeah. Once again, I agree completely. I I think they did a fantastic job here. You know, they didn't, they didn't over dramatize anything. I think they made, they, they presented the facts and let you decide. I I don't think they, they glorified him in any way. I, I I think they, um, but for example, they could have made his girlfriend, Suni, Sani, uh, you know, I'm sure they had enough film to make her look like a total idiot, uh, just from, well, I don't know why I say that, but I, I, I guess, you know, I've seen documentaries where they do this, like the crime ones and things like that, where they make somebody look like an idiot. And 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 they made her very, you know, made her look like a, a smart, intelligent person that was grappling with uh, important decisions that, she, you know, and we're going to talk more about the relationship. So I don't want to jump too much into that right now. But right. but in terms of the documentary rating, I'm going to give it a seven or eight, too, because um yeah, I think they did a great job of just presenting everything and making me think about issues and issues that we're going to discuss. Um, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you're right. They could have demonized her, so to speak, right? Uh, and made it seem like she's the one who created potential barriers or, you know, there's a scene where she loses control of the rope when he's trying to practice yeah. and he falls and gets hurt. And, and you know, there's a suggestion that maybe uh, she's bad for him, that, you know, she's creating a, you know, a mental barrier or an issue, even a physical barrier in that case for him to progress. And so, but, but yeah, they didn't go there. And I, and I think on the other side too, Mike, they could have made it like even more gripping in the sense of focusing on each step of his climb and whether that step was going to result in a loose rock and he falls off, uh, to his death. And, you know, this, the dramatic music of, Oh, is he going to make that last step? And they didn't, you know, they didn't do that in, in, in a way that would have been, 
more of a typical entertainment based gratuitous type thing. Yeah, I agree that I, I think they did a great job with, with both, both the people and the action sequence of him climbing, um, documentary. I give it a very, very high rating. So maybe a few, uh, kind of observations, Mike, about things in the movie that I think are foundational for our discussion about some of the life lessons or the, the questions that came out of it. Um, first of all, Alex Honnold, you know, he's, he's very famous at this point. He's done Ted talks. He's been on lots of talk shows. I think he's been featured in magazine articles. I think there may be even a book, uh, you know, about his, his efforts, uh, to climb free solo. Um, but he's obviously a unique guy, right? He has oh, a yeah. single focus in his life. And that ha- is this, uh, free soloing. He lives in a van, uh, for the most part. And he, you know, he doesn't care much about things at all. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to have the same level of fear or concern about death that most of us would. I mean, there's a point in the movie where a, uh, a doctor or a psychiatrist examines him and puts on the electrodes in his brain and looks at his, the action of, in his amygdala and concludes that he does not have the normal reaction in his amygdala and that maybe, you know, that explains his ability to overcome this fear of, of death or falling. Um, but, um, you know, he's, he's obviously not, not your typical, uh, human being, right? I mean, he's not the guy you run into on the street normally. Right. So chances are, he's not going to listen to this. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm guessing he is somewhere on, um, like an Asperger's type scale or do they say Asperger's anymore? I don't know. I hear people say on the spectrum, but I also hear references to Asperger's. So yeah, Yeah, I I think Asperger's is gone now. I, I think you're just on the autism spectrum anymore, but, um, I do think that he is on the autism spectrum somewhere, but I don't think that really defines him so much. Um, Maybe it helps understand his relationships and his struggle with relationships, but that might more be about his endless uh, total drive to, to, to rock climb. I don't think he has a drive even to be the greatest rock climber of all time or anything like that. I just think he has a passion a, a complete total obsession with with climbing uh, rocks that define him as a man more than anything else in his life. And I guess you wonder, and you know, I've not had a lot of experience with uh, people with autism, and I've not not you know had a direct relationship, really uh, a deep relationship with somebody that has that. So I'm, I'm speaking as an amateur here, but you wonder if that's his way of getting away from the things that that people with autism don't like. I mean, relationships and and some of those things that give them stress. So, you know, it's just a rock. It's a slate, a granite slate uh, that that he wants to conquer. And all he has to do is be inside himself and deal with that physical environment. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess the other aspect that, that comes to mind as we talk about it, Mike, is his nurturing. So we talk about nature versus nurture sometimes. And there also are some facts that come out in the movie about his upbringing, not that it was bad, but it seems very sterile, right? Uh, like he talks about never being hugged. He doesn't remember being hugged by his, uh, parents. Yeah, very and, sad. And, you know, maybe, maybe they were on the autism scale. I don't know, but there, there's obviously a very low level of emotional engagement and showing of emotion in this family and, you know, how that impacted him. I don't know. Yeah, it does not present a a really solid view of his uh, mother. Um, His dad died, I think, when he was young, um, young youngish, 
And he kind of laments the fact that his dad uh, was not there to cheer him on for 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 this quest of climbing El Capitan um, without ropes. And so, um, but I, I, I think the most uh, interesting relationship is obviously that with uh, Sonny, uh, his girlfriend. The, the question I have to ask is, is if, you know, Alex was so, so passionate about what he does, where does that leave her? He, he says to her at one point, I, I won't quit climbing for you, you know? Right, so right. Yeah, it's pretty clear to her, I think, that climbing is his priority, that she's second at best in, in line of his priorities. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's more than one time where he kind of, you know, ruminates about whether she's creating issues for him being successful in his efforts to to climb and distracting him from his focus. And then, of course, when he gets injured, you know, we questions whether he can get past that, uh, you know. So um, I don't know, I, you know, for a lady to be in that situation and commit themselves to that person, uh, you know, with that knowledge, I, that seems like a, it'd be tough for me. It's yeah. I mean, when one person in the relationship does not need the other person's love, is it difficult for the person for, for the, for Sonny? I mean, might as well put names on it. When Alex doesn't really need Sonny's love, how difficult is that for her to have unrequited love? I suppose. I mean, I guess it's not totally unrequited, requited. That doesn't mean that it's not, but, but I don't think he needs it. I think he needs to climb. Right. <laughs> Well, at least on the surface, or at least in, you know, his, what we see from him externally, that's right. true. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the, if you think about people, and it's not just men, but, but uh, you know, people who are really driven in business or CEOs or, you know, people that spend pretty much all of their time and efforts in life trying to be successful in business or other sports or whatever it is, I, I mean, there are a lot of people who, if they were being truthful, would probably say that's more important to them than their, um, their marriage or their family. And you see it in their behaviors, right? Because they spend all of their time trying to be successful in what they're trying to pursue to the neglect of their families. Right. Um, Right. But they don't say that out loud. (laughs) And I think it's a lot of societal things too. I think, um, the Chinese, uh, society, for example, the men even today aren't as involved with their kids or the family or things like that. You know, the Japanese men go to work. Um, we had a friend that go, went over there to work and they would work like 15 hours and then go home, sleep, come back to work. And that's what they did six days a week and party on. And then when they had Saturday night off, they went out and partied. But, but anyway, <laughs> I, I digress a, a little bit. Um, I, I do want to, let's jump backwards and let's jump uh, onto another topic. Um, and you mentioned his brain scan of his amygdala. And I have to mention at this point, because they kind of made a big deal out of that in the film. And I'm, I'm very skeptical of that. I don't, I don't know if our, I'm no doctor, of course, and I don't have any training in this. I've read a book recently that talked about that type of brain scans and things like that. And it sort of informs my opinion on this, um, maybe too much. So with all that said, it, um, the, you know, the, my opinion of that is, is the brain scan, if they had done it on a different day or given him different um, stimulus or whatever, then the brain scan probably would have showed a normal amygdala. And I, I just, I, I struggle with that. And it reminds me of uh, um, 
of a story that uh, that I read in it, something else about Mark Twain or, or Samuel Clements was in London at one point, and this is in the late 1800s when when there was something like phrenologist phrenology going around where where a, a, this phrenologist would feel your head and your cranium and he would be able to tell you all sorts of things about you and what kind what kind of person you are and um, so Mark Twain went to see this uh, this famous phrenologist on Fleet Street in London and the phrenologist said. Um, yeah, um, he didn't know who Mark Twain was, and he gave him all sorts of detailed uh, description of Mark Twain, and he said he was lacking in a sense of humor. And this is Mark <laughs> Twain, so yeah. it sort of reminds me of that. But uh, but anyway, um, I, I, let's just say that is one part of the movie I wish they would have cut out. So so you're skeptical about the sort of scientific conclusion uh, about his amygdala and why he might not have the same reaction to fear or risk as others. But clearly, you know, whether or not his amygdala is normal and would react like other people's, he has an ability to face risk, face death in a way that most people wouldn't. I mean, I look at this, Mike. And, and as you know, I ride a motorcycle, okay? And we can get into discussions about the risks of riding a motorcycle, and I love that. But um, I think there's no way in the world I would ever consider what he's doing. Um, and and is it because I would be afraid of dying or the risk of dying? I, I, well, sure, that's part of it. There's probably other reasons, but I, I don't know. Would I mean, even if you had the time, the ability, would you even think about doing something like this? I would not, Scott, but, but, uh, but again, I'm glad you personalized this because that's important. Um, let's talk that, let's talk about that because what we're talking about now are degrees and judging a man based on degrees and crossing some threshold, because honestly, I would not do it. And I don't think, uh, would you agree that what, that what he is doing is not good for society? It's not good for humanity. I don't think he pushed the limits of anything that uh, that all he does, it's a drag on society when people do things like this with no true benefit to society. So wh- what do you think about that? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, uh, the fact that he scales this you know rock and gets to the top and now can look out at the top in and of itself I don't see any value to humanity or society from that. I mean, there was a route he can take and other people often take on the backside where you can get to the top and get the same view and and see what's there and what have you. So no, I I don't see any value in that way. I I guess where I struggle with it a little bit or maybe question it is, is there a value in this kind of achievement? Is there a value in people seeing his commitment to something. And then, like you said earlier, the human spirit being able to conquer that in the, in the same way that, you know, uh, in a very different level, but people thought the four minute mile was impossible hundred or whatever, 150 years ago. And, and then they break it. And now you got all kinds of people breaking the four minute mile. And, you know, does, does he open up some kind of human spirit realm or level of achievement that otherwise might not happen? Yeah, I'm going with no on that too, and and I'm not letting you off on the motorcycle riding thing. We're coming back to that. But what we're talking about now is, you know, you go into some guy's cubicle at uh, work and you see this rock climber uh, poster on the wall, and it says perseverance, or or it says right, you know right. try harder, or, or or planning, or you know the ropes, or whatever. And 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 no, I'm not buying into any of that in terms of what Alex Honnold did, free soloing um, El Capitan. Um, 
uh, I, I don't think, I mean, while, uh, and I think this is one thing that makes it a great documentary is, is that you're able to think about things like this and not just watch it from a, from a level of, of entertainment value, but truly think about, um, this type of issue. Um, and, and I don't think that what he did, it has any big societal implications at all. Zero. And, and, and while I like the fact that they made a film so that we can discuss something like this, it's sort of a catch 22, but cause we're discussing something like this because he did something that I don't think is worthwhile. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, so that, yeah. that raises a question, right? That, that he even kind of refers to in the film in a way, and that is, should we be condoning this type right. of activity, right? I mean, we're celebrating his achievement with this film and the books and his other talks and all these things. He's become a celebrity. Uh, Honest. Maybe it encourages other people to do quote unquote stupid things, uh, right. become celebrities that are very risky. And, and so, you know, and, and then the cameramen who are filming the guy, right. That's where he raises it. People don't want to see me die if I fall. So, you know, you don't want to film this sort of thing. And yet, they're putting themselves at some level of risk, even in just filming his achievement, right? It's the Schrodinger cat uh, type thing, you know, where, where the cat's in the box and the electrons, and I, I'm not going to do a whole physics experiment, but whether the cat lives or dies, it's the same thing. It's it's like if they film him and he, you know, and he makes it, or if they film him, are they showing something good? He doesn't really want them to film him because it's more about him and more about his pursuit. I don't know. Anyway, let's go back to the motorcycle riding thing. Stop. <laughs> I'm not going to let you off. I, I can't because look, here's the deal with that. What you're doing riding a motorcycle is exactly the same as what Alex Honnold is doing. Um, climbing El Capitan. Okay. He, he has a quote in there and, and, and I get it. I get it. He has a quote in there. Oh, no, it's not him. It's just one of his buddies who ends up kind of crying in the, in the movie. And it's not gratuitous cry, climbing, cry, crying. He actually cries. And he has a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase. It was something in, it, along the lines of, Alex does not have a death wish. He has a life wish. Right? And that's a really good quote. I mean, he he wants to live. And and living for him is climbing mm-hmm. that that, that rock. And, and so, so how can I condemn him for that? And how can I condemn Scott Roney for riding a motorcycle? Because you just went on a trip to California. Did you end yes. up going to California? It was too hot. You went to California. Went to California. Yes. We should have talked about this, but uh, anyway, so you, you went to California and you could have got there in a car with four wheels that where if you would have had an accident, number one, your, your odds of having an accident are much lower in a car. And number two, if you do have an accident, your odds of survival are way, way, way higher in a car. You could have done the exact same thing without the wind rushing through your hair. So, so Scott, aren't we just talking about here? We're criticizing Alex Honnold, at least I am. And I think you are a little bit for, for doing something that is kind of a drag on society yet. You're riding a motorcycle. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm criticizing him in the sense of I use the word stupid. So I refer to what he did as potentially stupid. Uh, and I'm certainly criticizing this celebration, I guess, of this, this achievement with the death-defying r- risk. Um, but I hear what you're saying. There, there is a, uh, a logic to, to what you're arguing. And, and there's a lot out there about living life to the fullest without letting risk the fear fear or the fear of what might happen drag you down and prevent you from doing things and i guess 
you know, it's like a lot of this sort of self-help stuff, right? There's all these things you throw out as principles or, uh, you know, great statements, or like you say, you put a poster on your wall, but you get into the details and it's not so straightforward or simple to say, well, what level of risk is okay? And, you know, I would say bluntly that I made that assessment when I was younger. I I rode a, a motorcycle, you know, around my town when I was a kid and the risk was pretty small in a small town, but as an adult with kids and raising a family, I did not want to take that level of risk. You know, I, I saw that the impact on my family, emotionally, financially, et cetera, if I were to die would be pretty substantial. And so I didn't want to take something that had that risk. And I've, I've told people at times that I got a motorcycle when my kids got old enough that I felt like if I died, they could handle it, you know, and, and the family would be okay and recover and financially would be okay. You sound like Alex. And I mean, that's in a way funny and people kind of laugh at that, but there's some truth to it. I mean, I I consciously chose not to take that risk uh, at certain points in time where I felt like it was not, not a smart decision. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and, and my criticism is not true criticism. I, I really, I, I do not wish on anybody a life of zero risk and a life of, you know, you would never leave the house, right? And, and so we are talking about degrees here, and, and I certainly understand and, and accept uh, the degree that you're willing to accept. Um, but I guess it's, it's a big jump from, from riding a motorcycle to climbing El Capitan with no ropes. Well, it is, but let, I mean, let's keep going down this road. Cause I think there's some important or interesting things to talk about. First of all, recently we've talked about the billionaire race to space, right? So you've got uh, guys uh, that are very successful in business, have a lot of money, are influential and in, in I'm sure a lot of lives and, and um, they're putting themselves at risk. I would say now, maybe they don't see the risk in the same way, but they're breaking through barriers as far as private travel to space. And, um, you know, is that, is that good? Is there a value in that? Or is that just, they're trying to fulfill the same sort of, you know, internal drive to be somebody who did this or accomplished that, uh, despite the, the odds. I don't see a lot of value in rich people going to space, but on the other hand, Let's say that out of all the science that uh, that that is going on into in the drive, they understand. Uh, we come up with a method to get from um, from New York to uh, to Beijing a lot faster by even actually cutting through space, which I guess is sort of weird. But uh, sure. but I mean, it, it is possible, right? I mean, not cutting, sure. through, but, but achieving low orbit for with you know reasonable amount of time and I mean, with less fuel discovering flight in general, right? I mean, there were people who worked on trying to develop airplanes and create the the ability for us to fly around uh, who died in that process. And and other even simpler things, right, Mike? We've talked about building projects like the Golden Gate Bridge, right? If you you dig into the Golden Gate Bridge uh, construction, there are a number of people who died and are even, I think, encased in maybe, uh, you know, some of the foundations there. And and you would find that in a number of other sort of groundbreaking projects where engineering, you know, achievements or construction achievements like the Arch in St. Louis broke new ground, but yet people gave their lives in the process. Is that, is that appropriate? Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not really sure where you're going with all that because what did Alex achieve? 
<laughs> I hear you. I, and I guess that's the point. There, there's a there's a calculation here, I guess. And I think one of the reasons we're being somewhat critical of Alex Honnold is in our mind, he did nothing useful, yeah. right? He, he, he defied, he, he put himself at risk and knew that if one little slip, he's dead. Yep. That for what? Just to get yeah. up a, a wall. Yeah. For no yeah. apparent reason. Oh, one a- last thing. One last thing I want to I want to talk about before we, we before we uh, move on to the next documentary. Um, all this discussion makes me think of the whole argument of free will versus predestination. Okay, um, you know the the quote that I said earlier about he he wants he doesn't want to die he wants to live and some people might say look if it's my time to die and I think Alex might have a little bit of this uh, attitude. Although I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. And so it makes me think of the, uh, you know, do we truly have uh, any free will or is, or is it all predestination? I mean, one little slip on the rock and Alex was dead. And we do mean little, tiny, fractional inches of a slip on a rock at 2,000 feet. And that guy's a goner. And um, and watch the movie if you don't believe me. Yeah, and, um, and I guess if I can just add to that, Mike, because it's mind-boggling some of these steps he had to make, and and the fact that on most of these, not even his first digit. I mean, he might have the first digit of his fingers in a crack yes. that he's holding on to with his, you know, for his whole body weight and putting leverage on the the wall. I mean, it's just it's really unbelievable. It's not just slipping, right? It's if your fingers can't maintain the strength. If you don't have the stamina to hold that grip long enough, you're, you're done. Or if one little piece of granite give, gave way, right? I mean, or even one... water, they talk about water, right? That water seeps out of the face of this, uh, of El Capitan sometimes. And if there's a place where there's a little bit of water and it's, you know, that could be it. So free will versus predestination. I mean, you know, Scott, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm a, big believer in mostly, I don't know, I guess I'd like to say I'm a soft determinist, but um, it, it, we're getting back into my college uh, philosophy class. And and really, there's no soft. There, there's either free will or there's predestination. So there's one or the other. Everybody wants to think that there's, 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 there's free will. But does a movie like this make you change your uh, belief in that type of thing? I mean, um, from, a, from a religious perspective, for example, Scott, I, I know, you know, uh, God uh, from a religious perspective is omnipotent, right? There's no past, present, or future. And so basically, um, from a religious perspective, and I, again, I underline that from a religious perspective, um, you almost have to believe in predestination. So if Alex is on that rock and saying, look, it's, if it's my time, it's my time. And, and I don't think it's my time. So I'm going to go up this rock because, and well, if it was, if it is my time, then I could happen to be crossing the street. So I don't know. What- yeah, I, I think it's a good question, Mike. And I've certainly, even myself at times said, well, if it's my time, it's my time. When people try to talk me out of doing something risky or, you know, well, that's dangerous or or whatever. And, and maybe that's just a rationalization that gives me comfort, uh, you know, when I've made a decision to do something that I know could be risky or could result in the end of my life. Uh, but but I there is, I think... It, there is certainly a reality that we all know, even if we don't think about it every day, that there's a lot of things we don't control. I mean, even if you believe in free will, um, you know, somebody runs a red light today here outside my house and hits me, I could be dead. Right. Um, and 
there are all kinds of things going on around us every day like that. Uh, do I believe in God? I do. And do I believe that God can, you know, it does determine the direction of our lives and our world? Yes. Uh, but I, I mean, I think, you know, this is a deep topic, but I think, Mike, it is healthy to sometimes be forced to think about these things because we, we believe things about life. We live our life a certain way. We, you know, in my case, have a faith in, in our religious beliefs. Um, but sometimes it's hard to really make sense of all that, uh, you know, and, and so I think we don't think about it sometimes as hard as we should. Boy, Scott, that's a lot to digest. And, and I appreciate what you're saying. Um, I think it's difficult, though, and, and a movie like this, and you know, um, makes you think about this. Like you said, free will versus determinism or predestination. Um, and honestly, it, it's tough. It's difficult to to from a religious perspective. Again, now, if you just take go back to the free will versus predestination, um, I don't believe there's a lot of uh, free will. I believe most things are laid out, and a path is laid out. Um, uh, maybe quantum mechanics plays a role in that where, you know, <laughs> quantum physics, I should say. Um, and there, there is some randomness, you know, even though Einstein famously said, God does not play dice. Um, I, I believe there, there is some dice playing. Um, but for the most part, things are pretty, are laid out, um, on a path and you don't have much choice. And if you want another movie to, that stretches your mind on this type of thing, watch an old movie rope, it's an Alfred Hitchcock movie about free will versus predestination um, uh, with Jimmy let, Stewart. Let me challenge you a little bit, Mike, and just just to be able to understand, I guess, what you're saying. Um, I, I think you certainly would say we have some level of free will. Like you can decide to walk over to the, you know, the clubhouse today at the golf course, and you know that's your decision, right? You're not just mm, boy. See, no, you, you have to do that. Uh, no, so nothing. Nothing's telling me. Nothing's telling me. No, I, I, I just believe that 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 your path of what you're going to be doing each day on a day to day basis with your life, things like that. I, I believe it's it's set in motion for you, and and you know what you end up doing is a product of what you've done and what, and what you've done is a product of what you've done previously. And, and it's all just one big roller coaster that you're on and you're riding it and you don't have a lot of choices. Um, that's honestly what I believe. But are, um, are you saying you narrow your choices over time? So you made a decision to become a mathematician. Uh, you know, no, I, I would say I didn't have a choice. I would say the, 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 the things that happened in my life earlier and happened in my life earlier and earlier and earlier and going all the way back and uh, kind of determine what, what my life, how it was going to play out. Um, interactions from people, interactions from, from parents, interactions from physical events. Um, no, I, I, think, I think we don't have much free will, I'm afraid. Um, which is kind of funny because because I'm taking the role of somebody that would be um, a very religious person and and saying that uh, there is no free will, and you're taking the role of somebody that is not a very religious person and saying that yeah, there is free will. When in reality, it's the opposite that's true for both of us, which is kind of a conundrum for me. But uh, yeah, well, that's that's probably a subject for another day because that could get pretty deep quickly, and we could talk about it a long time. But 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 so let's go back to Alex Honnold uh, and his decision to climb El Capitan, uh, free solo. Do you think like that was something he just at that point didn't have a 
free will to decide. I mean, that was just predestined that he was going to do that. I believe that things in life have set him down that path that he ended up doing that. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Now, um, uh, do you want to live your life with, uh, with predestination as an excuse? Absolutely not. I am one of those people who believe in predestination, but we should live our lives as if there were free will and judge others as if there's free will. Oh, you're definitely sounding like a religious uh, person. A person <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, who's live, to say live, I'm not, Scott? What's that? Who's to say I'm not? Oh, I didn't. Well, I didn't. Okay. Well, anyway, Mike, I think you know we're going to talk about our next documentary here, but I think this illustrates how a documentary can reveal a lot of interesting questions, right? About humanity, about history and events and, and just what it means, uh, if anything. And so I hope it challenges our listeners to maybe watch documentaries uh, and think about these kinds of issues or think about the, the lessons or the questions that the documentary is is raising or hitting on. And, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, a lot of people probably think documentaries are boring, right? When I was a kid, it's like, oh, who wants to want to watch a documentary? It's like something you'd watch at school so you can get a history lesson without realizing it's really a history lesson. And, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the way people should see them. No, absolutely not. And that's why we're doing this. Right. So, so the next one is, um, is identical, uh, three identical strangers. And the brief synopsis is it's, uh, identical triplets become separated at birth and adopted by three different families. Years later, their amazing reunion becomes a global sensation. And they were on the Donahue show and things like that, but it also unearths an unimaginable secret that has radical repercussions. And, um, it really is, uh, stick around to the end. If you, if you get slightly bored in the middle um, definitely stick around till the end because, because it takes another big twist. Um, there's a couple twists in it and there's another big twist at the end and, and, uh, you'll enjoy it. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Um, it covers the nurture versus nature debate, um, medical ethics, a lot of conversation from this that I think we're going to love having Scott. Well, radical repercussions. I mean, that's pretty compelling. I've got to watch it. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> Well, Mike, uh, as we said at the outset, I would love people to weigh in on these issues and discussion points and watch Three Identical Strangers and give us questions or observations and offer suggestions about other documentaries that they think would be uh, useful for us to, to talk about. Our Instagram site is Scott Mike podcast. So if you go to that site, you can comment and, uh, and give us feedback. We would love that. Yep. And uh, in two weeks, we'll be back and discuss Three Identical Strangers. It was fun, Mike. Enjoyed it. I think this is going to be great. I do, too. It's a lot of fun today. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. You, too. Bye.